Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. It's a crazy time of year. We're getting, this is Thanksgiving week. And uh, as we're moving into this time, I, sometimes I feel like people are wondering whether they should be thankful for 2020, but I really think we should be, don't you? We should be thankful for what God is doing, no matter what the, uh, no matter what the news says or what challenges we face, we're thankful that Jesus Christ is still on his throne. And uh, we're thankful that he wants to speak to us. And I think that as we open God's word today, we need to understand that We have a God who is present. He's not far off. He's present and he longs to be involved in our lives. And he has a great life that he wants us to live through him. Well, today we're we're talking about, continuing to talk about the idea of how Jesus wants to display himself and help us understand him more and more. But he often doesn't, he didn't really doesn't really dump it all you all on you at one time, does it? He doesn't just overwhelm you to where he gives you all of himself at one time. It's all available, but often we have a hard time receiving it. And uh, when we think about how Jesus is working, sometimes we're shocked by what he does. We're surprised by what he says. And last week we saw Peter being called Satan. Jesus had to say to Peter, Satan, get behind me. You're, you're not getting it. You're, you're speaking like Satan. And the reason he did that is that Peter said to Jesus, no, Jesus, let it never be that you would be taken and arrested and crucified. Let it never be that you'll be humbled, made fun of, caused to carry your own cross, killed, even though you're going to rise again. Let it never be. As Peter's like, I, I can't have that. I've followed you, Jesus. I'm counting on you to give me a great life, to make me great, to make me successful, to make me be able to kind of look down on my enemies. You were going to make me great. After all, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. I just, you just asked us who you were, and I said, you're the Messiah. And that means that you're the most powerful being in the universe. And since you love me, you must want to give me a successful, healthy, wealthy life, right? Jesus said, Peter, you're not getting it. i got to take you to a different level. And you can see some things, just like the man that Jesus had healed just a few verses before that. The, the man came to Jesus, and Jesus touched his eyes. He spit on him, actually. Then he touched them, and the man said, Oh, I, I can see, but it looks like people look like trees walking. And it looks like there's, and I'm not, I'm not getting this, or my sight isn't completely restored. Then Jesus touches him again, and he sees clearly. See, often we think we see better than we do spiritually. We often think we get more than we do. And then Jesus has to explain to us, no, actually, you're just, you're just kind of seeing humans as trees walking. You're not actually getting all of what I need for you to understand. And Jesus is taking them to a whole other level here. 
And he's telling them, listen, I'm about to explain something to you that's going to be radical, that's going to be crazy, and I want you to understand what it means to follow me. Because Jesus, remember, came to make you like him. He came to make you holy, not to make you great on this earth. Jesus thinks much bigger than this earth. This earth is the way to get you ready for what he's going to do. It's to get you used to his kingdom. It's, it's to get you used to walking with him and, and living in the spirit so that when we join him in heaven, it's going to be incredible. We'll be ready. I love that fact that he wants to get us ready. And don't you hate to go to a place and maybe you didn't dress appropriately? No one told you it was black tie and you were wearing shorts and a t-shirt. No one told you that and you kind of come in looking silly. Well, on a much greater scale than that, Jesus wants to get you ready to live with him in his house. And that's what this life is all about. But often because we say to Jesus, I'm frustrated. Jesus, you need to make me great. Things aren't going well. I need for you to do more to make my life better and to solve problems for me. And when we do that, we find ourselves far from him. And we need what we're going to call today a spiritual reset. Because he longs for us to be close to him. He longs for us to be on the same page as him. But we've got to adjust our thinking. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for your mind is set on the things of this earth, the things of man rather than the things of God. And that's how we are, right? We normally think like humans because we're human. But Jesus wants us to think like God. He wants us to get his viewpoint. So look with me at Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 34. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 34. And this is a gospel account written by Mark. It's the most brief gospel account. It gets right to the point. Jesus has just told Peter, you need to think like God, not like man. Jesus says this, Mark records this, he says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Would you bow with me? And as we bow our heads, shut out the world, and we long to connect with God you pray with me? Father, we come to you today knowing, Lord, that we are prone to see things from a human perspective. Lord, we struggle to see things as you see them. And often, Lord, we confess that our prayer lives can become simply complaint sessions. Or we just whine to you, Lord, and we we just say, why haven't you done things? And um, But Lord, today, we're asking for you, Lord, to conform us to your will, to your image. Because that's going to require your supernatural activity in our hearts, Lord. 
We're asking you to conform us to your image, to your thoughts, to your ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Jesus tells them, all right, if you're going to follow me, remember back on the, the sea coast, back on, on the Sea of Galilee, he said, listen, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That sounds really fun, doesn't it? We're going to go catch men. It's going to be great. Let's all go. Now they did have to leave their homes, their careers, their families. And so that was a loss. That was a, that was a sacrifice. But really up until this point, they've been rejected a few places, but it hasn't really gotten too dicey. It hasn't gotten too dangerous. And it seems like to them, the disciples, that Jesus is going to make them great leaders. He's going to make this great kingdom. He's so powerful. This is going to be amazing. Our lives are going to be great. And then he starts to tell them the cost, the cost of following Jesus. And he says to them in verse 34, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And he's included the crowd around them at that point. Initially, he's just talking to his disciples. And then he says to the crowd, he wants to call everybody in. He wants to tell them, listen, this is not a walk in the park. This is not going to be just simply an easy, you know, hey, fun, we're great, everything's wonderful. It's going to be, listen, there's sacrifice that's going to happen here. And he describes this move, and we'll call it a spiritual reset. He describes this move in three facets. It's really one continuous movement, but there's kind of three facets to it. He says, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It reminds me a lot of when we moved from Texas to Florida about 18 years ago. If you've ever relocated, you know there's a lot of aspects to it, right? You don't just get in the car and drive somewhere and suddenly you're there, right? There's a, there's a whole, whole process to it. And uh, we were living in Texas, and uh, we got called to, to Florida. But to come to Florida, we had to do, a, do some things. One, we had to deny our Texasness, if you will. We had to leave ourselves as Texans behind. We had to decide that we're not going to be Texans anymore. We're going to be Floridians. We had to deny the fact that we love Texas food and we love Texas culture. We love Texas people. And we had to move to Florida. You see, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to remove yourself as the center of your world. You have to deny yourself in the same way you would deny a city you moved away from. We, you have to say, I'm not going to worry about my will anymore. I'm going to replace it with the will of God. To the best of my ability, Jesus, I want what you want, right? And it says in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's what my heart cry is. My heart cry isn't my dreams and my ambitions. My, my heart cry is your will to be done, Jesus. I deny myself. And that's what we had to do when we left Texas. We denied our Texasness, our Texas citizenship, if you will, and we moved to Florida. So we deny ourselves, we take his will and not ours, and we say, listen, not only that, but I'm going to take up my cross and follow you. When we left Texas, we had to take all of our stuff and put it in a van, a moving van, and move here. And we had to, that was a, that was a sacrifice. Honestly, for us to leave Texas was a big deal. And we had to actually do something. We didn't just have to talk about it. We didn't just dream about moving to Florida. We didn't just talk about it in ethereal terms. We said, we're actually going to be in Florida. And we're going to be known as Floridians. We're going to take on that identity. 
that process of actually doing something to follow Jesus. You see, when you take up his cross, you're identifying with Jesus. You're saying, my life, I want to be identified. When people see my life, I want them to see Jesus. Not Steve. I, I, I want them to see Jesus. I'm ready to sacrifice for him. I'm ready to even go to my death following him. And you can imagine in those days, they would actually have to carry the cross as Jesus did, especially the cross beam. And they would walk through the streets. They would parade criminals through the streets to show people that this person was a criminal condemned to death. Very embarrassing, really. You're thinking, I, I've got to carry this cross. It means that I'm condemned. I mean, you always see people on TV, right? The, those, the criminals who are condemned, they're always covering their faces. They don't want to be seen. When I take the cross on, I'm saying, Jesus, I take your identity. The fact that you willingly went to the cross for me. I want to own that. That's what I want to be known as. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm thrilled that I represent Jesus Christ. When we came to Florida, we made new friends. And we set our lives up as Floridians. We didn't stay in Texas. We denied ourselves. We took up our stuff and we moved to Texas. When you follow Jesus, you have to deny your own will Take his cross on you and follow him. When you follow Jesus, you're saying, I want to live as Jesus lived. My goal is not to be great. My goal is not to have some great life and, and to have Jesus fight all my battles for me and solve all my problems for me, but rather my goal is to live as Jesus lived. When we got to Florida, we began to live as Floridians. We began to wear Florida clothes. We left those Texas clothes behind. We began to eat Florida food, Cuban food, seafood, good food. It was great. We made Florida friends. We didn't just keep talking to our Texas friends. We didn't just look for only people from Texas. We talked to all, we learned, made friends of all kinds of people. We lived as Floridians. Julie decorated the house. As a Florida house, not full of all those Texas stars and Western wear and Longhorns and all that kind of stuff that we had in Texas, wanted to look like a Florida house. When you follow Jesus, you live like Jesus. Your mission, his mission becomes your mission. His mission was the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news of God. He wanted people to know that. That was his mission. And he was ready to die for that mission. Often people will say, you know what, I, I want to I follow Jesus, but I really don't want to leave where I am. I really want to own my own will, and I want to do what I want to do. That's not following Jesus. Or I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to suffer. Well, that's not following Jesus either. Or I don't, want to, I don't want to embrace His will and His purpose. And people find themselves far from God. Jesus, knowing people's opposition, He gave four reasons why people often decide, I'm not going to follow Him. He makes four statements that start with the letter, with the word for, F-O-R, to deal with what people's objections are going to be. He knows what they're going to be. 
Look at them, starting in verse 35. Jesus says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you try to hold on to your life, when you try to control your life. See, one of the big reasons people don't follow Jesus and they kind of are resistant to take up their cross and follow him, die themselves, is because I want control. You know, Jesus might tell me to do something I don't want to do. That really worries me. Jesus may cause me to move somewhere. He may cause me to do something, to change my career. He may cause me to do all kinds of things, and I, I want to have control. I want to have veto power. Say, Jesus, I'll do that, but I won't do that. He says, if you're trying to hold on to your life, to control it, to tell Jesus what to do with your life, you're going to lose it. And really the word for life there is the word soul, the core of your life. He's saying if you want life, you have to let it go. And if you sacrifice it for my sake, you will find it. The first thing we have to be aware of is be careful of we don't follow Jesus because we want control. The second thing we do is we want to win. Verse 36 He says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? He said, listen, what does it matter if you win every game, if you win every contest, if you win every deal, if you're just the biggest winner in the world and you become the king of the world, but you have no soul, you have no life. There's no profit in that. So many people say that I don't want to follow Jesus because I'm afraid I'll become a loser, right? Then I, I won't, have that, won't have that aggressiveness, and maybe I just won't want to stomp on everybody. Maybe I, I won't be able to win, and I really like to win. As a matter of fact, I even cheated board games, right? None of you would do that. But um, we think, I don't want to lose, and if I, if I let go of my life that way, and if I agree to walk to my death, I won't be a winner. If you find yourself in that boat where you long for control, and you long to win, and that's why you're not following Jesus. You need to do a spiritual reset. You need to regain your soul because it's slipping away. It's slipping away. Verse 37. He says this. He says, for what can a man give in return for his soul? And here's what he means. You can't buy more life. You can't buy your soul. No matter how much money you have, you cannot buy your soul. You see, it's one of the things that keeps us from following Jesus often is we're afraid of what it's going to cost us financially. And let me tell you, it is costly. Jesus says you need to be ready to give just like I'm giving. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, you need to be open-handed with God. Let him take out what he wants to take out. You need to give. So many people feel like it's going to cost me too much to follow Jesus. Not realizing that by holding tightly to their money, they're losing their soul. See, when we give, we say, Jesus, I trust you with everything. I trust you with everything I have. I'm giving in light of that, you can't buy back your soul. And if your money is preventing you from following Jesus, you need a spiritual reset. You need to regain your soul. 
And then finally, he deals with shame. Shame in our culture is one of the biggest things out there, right? If people are like, do not shame me. People are afraid of this embarrassment of not being thought of, admired, or not being cool. Verse 38 says this, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That's what Jesus is saying. To follow me, you might not look great to the world. People may make fun of you. They did Jesus. People may look down on you. You may not be able to be as great as you would like to be in culture. He's saying, but if you're ashamed of me, in other words, if you don't want to identify with me, I'm not going to identify you when I come again. I'll not save you if you're ashamed of me. If you're ashamed or you fear being shamed because of following Jesus, you need a spiritual reset. You need to regain your soul. What about you today? Are you following Jesus in this way? Do you struggle? Do you worry about whether your will is going to happen? Are you worried about what the outcome is going to be? Do you struggle with being identified with Jesus? Or maybe struggle living as he lived. Is the issue control? Is it winning? Is it financial? Or is it the fear of shame? You see, Jesus Christ so wants you to be close to him. He doesn't want you to be far off. He came to rescue you. And this morning, if you would say, you know, Steve, I, I don't know how to solve this problem. I feel like I'm drifting more and more and more. Jesus' words are simple. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. He said, I'm ready to give you life. But you can't pick up my life and hold on to your life at the same time. I want to restore your soul. Will you let me? Will you let me? In these days of COVID, in these days of chaos, it's so easy to get caught up in fear and anxiety and worry and what's going to happen. And all of that, Jesus says, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want to encourage you this morning. Deny yourself. Take on his will. Take up his cross. Be ready to be identified with him. Be ready to suffer for him and live as Jesus lived. Because he came to make you like himself. He didn't come to make you great. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out, hope is here.